Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Lives Falcons vs. Panthers Week 8 Game Preview. It was a wild one out there. Uh, there was some insanity. I, you know, had to scrap my pregame, uh, my my postgame show article like four times and rewrite it. Um, I'm sure everyone's already mad at my tweets, you know, saying the Falcons had lost. But in my defense, the Panthers uh, definitely blew this game on at least two occasions. I, of course, am Kevin. I have Falcon Kevin joined by my co-host. He is Alan Sturk at Alan Sturk on the Twitters. Alan, welcome. Uh, before we do anything, how are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm just flustered. I think you're flustered, too, because you said this is a preview. <laughs> just to reiterate, folks, this is a post-game show. Yeah, this uh, is this is a post-game show. Yeah, uh, after 10 lead changes, despicable quarterback play, crazy. Just It's it's hard to put into words. Uh, I know the Falcons are in first place. I know it's a place where we should be cheerful, but, man, we have to get over some of the nastiness that took place between just the horrific defense from just – not be able to get off blocks to just not generate any symbol to pass rush to just the coverage breakdowns. It's it's hard to digest, but look, there's a positive side to this. The Falcons are in first place, and the offense was actually balanced for a change. Yeah. The fact that Kyle Pitts actually caught a couple passes, Drake London made a couple passes, DeMar Bird, explosive threats. So that's probably the biggest positive I can take away from this, but it's hard to feel encouraged about what transpired and just how like this franchise is just yearly plagued by just the most inexcusable inexcusable diabolical breakdowns when literally like you look at the, the percentage metric like how many times have we seen the falcons have 99 percent sure they're going to win a game like we've seen this at least what five or six times over the past three or four seasons and they end up essentially blowing it even though they didn't kind of obviously i know they didn't blow it but still it felt like it like, it's just, when will this franchise learn? When will this defense, like, when can things just functionally be right? <laughs> when like, can we have a, no- why can't you be normal, you know? Why can't you be normal? Like, can you not allow an XFL star and a career backup to throw in 60 yards downfield where your thumping linebacker and backup safety are somehow covering the one above average receiver on the other team? Like, can we just not do that? That would be <sighs> terrific, Alan. I wish that we could. Uh, but the Falcons defense... The guilty party in this one, I guess we'll say. The offense got off to a rough start, rebounded in a big way, and to their credit, just kept rolling with the punches that the defense allowed in this one. Uh, the defense did contribute a score, which was, of course, vital in this one. Yes. Uh, so shout out to Lorenzo Carter, the NFL's best coverage edge, as I've often said. Uh, getting getting that, you know, those extra points, uh, the Falcons really, really needed it in this one, and... Uh, they got. They needed every last ounce, essentially, of 
play from the offense uh, and every little detail of the defense to get this one going. Um, but let's we gotta start. Let's start at the end, Alan. Uh, which was the Falcons should have ended the game with the offense's terrific final drive, where they they go up on the Panthers. Uh, get get the plays they need to go up by six points to to and give give Carolina just what thirty four seconds thirty six seconds on the clock to score a touchdown which is a, that's not very much time and this is not an offense known for these deep plays uh, you know generally they're they've been more dinking and dunking except against the Falcons today where I believe Atlanta allowed eleven explosive plays twelve explosive plays it was a lot it was way more than you would uh, than you than you would ever want to allow and at a certain point. You know, it was getting ridiculous. Like every time it got to third and long, it would be Carolina picking it up. They kept shooting themselves in the foot with penalties and they keep picking it up. But anyway, they managed to get this crazy Hail Mary throw, uh, which was a good call by them because they threw the Hail Mary like early that they could have waited a few more plays. Uh, And I think maybe that caught the Falcons off guard. Like you mentioned, they had Rayshon Evans still on the field. I think they were hoping to limit any like runs. Which you know, I agree with you that that's probably questionable when they need a touchdown to win this game. And if they do run it and get tackled in bounds, in fact, you'd want to encourage them to do that because yeah. they've only got thirty seconds and no timeouts. So um, they give up the touchdown. <laughs> DJ Moore gets the uh, personal foul. Which, if you want to argue that that's a ridiculous penalty, I don't disagree with you. Like I, I think that it is a ridiculous penalty. I think that it's not worthy of such a big foul, and like it shouldn't be influencing games. No. No complaint there. Uh, unlike, you know, Bucks fans that were trying to, you know, explain away that Tom Brady roughing the passer. I will not disagree that the Falcons benefited from some ridiculous officiating at the end of that. Uh, but the ridiculousness would not end there, Alan, because Eddie Pinheiro would then miss the extra point that was lo- that was lengthened by the personal foul or the whatever it was on sportsmanlike conduct penalty. Then, in overtime... Marcus Mariota tries to go deep to Demir Bird, which you live by the bird and you die by the bird in this game, apparently. Second um, time, by the way. Yes, twice. Maybe just, you know, throw that to Pitts. Like, if you're going to do that throw, like, we want to see more of that, to be clear, and we're going to get to that, but, like, throw that ball that you're going to throw up in, in coverage to Pitts or or Drake London, guys that have, like, made their name. Like, Demir Bird's a speedster, but he's, like, 5'11". Like, I mean, this is not the guy, but... Yeah. Um, you mess that up, the the Panthers pick it off, return it all the way to the Falcons 20, and at this point I'm tweeting, all right, this game's over, because like it should be, like I think the Panthers had a 99% win probability or something at that point. Um, Panthers don't get any more yardage, uh, and this one comes down to another kick, and Pinheiro misses again, and that sets up the Falcons for their game-winning drive. Uh, which has some heroics from Marcus Mariota, who on his birthday delivered probably the most Marcus Mariota game in existence. Just, just these these bad interceptions and just inaccurate throws, and then just dimes and like clutch plays and picking up stuff with his legs. Like you got the full experience, and he does get the Falcons down there. Young Wayku nails it to win this one. Just I don't even know. I didn't even know how to describe this. There was so many twists and turns. This was like a soap opera. Uh, condensed into like 20 minutes at the end of an NFL game, Alan. Uh, where where do you want to begin uh, with this one? Uh man, I'm just still <laughs> There's so many to, things. I'm still just trying to process it. Yeah, so, I, I mean, at I least think, they won. They got the dub, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I, look, 
just so we're not buzzkill, because I understand people are like, come on, like they did win. And I do think it was a very important offense to show some life. Like that's probably my biggest takeaway is the fact that the offense, particularly the past game, we actually saw big chunk plays. And no, it wasn't necessarily smooth. Some of them were broken down plays, but to see Marcus Mariota show some life with his arm, I just thought was very important. I thought the one throw to Drake London, which was on a kind of broken play, was probably his most impressive throw but yeah i do i did like his patience especially when he hit pits which i will i totally messed this up i thought it was a design play of pits Pitts was like the third read he was just yeah. in motion but hey look at least good. he hit it this time like because there's good been a lot Mario, of plays yeah. like that where pits has just been open on that very same play and mario doesn't see him and tries to go for this difficult throw which like sometimes that's that's important to do but in this case you just hit pits just hit pits or what he usually does is run to pressure gets sacked because yeah. that, yeah. that is unfortunately a very common trade marcus Mariota. he still yeah. does it uh which is on this game but no he did hit pits which was nice and hit bird as well so it was like there were a couple throws i was like okay because falcon just what happened against the Bengals? it's not sustainable and just in general like you can't be so dependent on the running game and it was at least, I think, the biggest positive takeaway is like, okay, Kyle Pitts finally making plays. Drake London slowly starting to see life with him because, like, these guys can play. Like, I saw a couple of comments like, do we even know if Kyle Pitts and Drake London are that good? I'm like, no, they are that good. I'm not saying they're going to be superstars necessarily, but these guys are above average to, in Pitts' case, he's, to me, he's a, he's a star yeah. for sure. I think like, Pitts is elite. Yeah. Drake yeah. London, we're still out there on but i think like he's shown enough that this is like a quality wide receiver one type of player so right so to me it's just like no these guys need to get the ball in their hands somehow, like any way possible so i think that's probably the best part and i thought caleb huntley completely outplayed you know algier is most yeah. but i thought caleb huntley once again kind of outplayed him oh and uh caleb huntley just continues to show that power and just gang yards after contact and, and uh just his vision i saw look if i'm I'm trying to come up with the positives here. I think if you want to start with it, just the offense, the fact that they found balance and they generated explosive plays. Those are like the best things I could take away from this game. Yeah, I agree. Like, I do think that that Caleb Huntley has been the better runner. Algier has done some really nice things at like with the ball uh, in the air, like just making some nice moves after the catch and reading his blocks really well. Caleb Huntley hasn't really been targeted in that way. So that's one part of his game that maybe we'll see, you know, go up over time. But Huntley as a runner has been really dangerous and mm-hmm. and I just love the way he runs. He just doesn't take losses. Like he just doesn't take losses. He looks like he's shot out of a cannon. He's playing hard, he's hungry and Algier is as well. I think Huntley maybe offers you a little bit more of a dynamic rushing profile, but yeah. I think Algier, the more reliable third down guy and the better receiver which coming out of college didn't catch the ball a lot. So it's obviously nice to see him like no, this isn't like a he doesn't have hands thing. This is like a he just they needed him to carry the ball 35 times thing back at BYU but uh I mean not the it's funny because like you feel like the offense didn't even maximize their opportunities because early in this game they really struggled but they got into a groove and then they just started scoring like they just found ways to score they just kept these drives going with clutch plays and um you like what you saw from them obviously you you like that Mariota was able to turn those early struggles into a better game um, and ice this game for the Falcons with that 28-yard run on third down. Um, it finally worked. Happy birthday, Marcus. Yeah. It, it worked, then because they, I think three times they tried with the zone read, and, and it led to, like, two or three-yard gains. And then finally, and, and Mariota, like, the thing that he does so well is just he uses his eyes to, like, bait defenders. Like, Brian Burns kind of got caught out of position, and then Mariota, that juke, like, when he gets space, he can make things happen. So, I think the biggest 
thing you can say about Marcus Mario is that he just, I always say it gutsy. Like he just seems like he makes those timing plays, no matter how frustrating he is as a thrower, no matter how frustrating he is when it comes to handling pressure in the pocket. Like he just has these moments where you're just like, you got to give it up to him. It's just like, wow, that was spectacular. Like I really thought that throw to London was, was one of his best plays this season. Yeah. It's the way he, he stayed patient. And I think that's very yes. important for him. Like, cause there's times where he, he gets happy feet and then, he throws a bad ball. Like I, I, I think it was the second drive of the game. Like he missed Pitts badly on a third down, where he like it was like out route and he threw inside of Pitts and it probably should have been picked off. Like Mario, I, it just he rushes sometimes. So the fact that he was more patient in this game, going through his progressions, I think that's that showed growth in at least for his sake. And I think it's something that's like okay, the Falcons hopefully can build it upon it because you know, there were many positives with the past game last week. This week it's like okay. Yeah. Players actually caught the ball and made they, things They happen. threw a normal amount of pass attempts in this game, I would even yes. say, uh, which is a big change, certainly, from how it's been going. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, let me get to some donations real quick. If you guys have questions you want us to get to, welcome everyone to the show. Thanks for everyone subscribing. Do like as well. If you don't mind, we really appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, if you're interested in asking a question, we read all donations. at streamlabs.com slash thefalcoholic slash tip. Link is in the show description as well. We got two right now. First one from Ray Moon with the $10. Ray, what's up, man? Welcome, welcome. He says, I can't stand this team, but we did win. But also, I can't stand this team. Yeah, that sort of, I feel like that's how the game went. It was like, wow, I can't believe they blew it. Oh, wait, maybe they didn't blow it. Wow, I, I think they might have blown it. Nope, nope, no, actually, they, they didn't blow it. Yeah, it, We've also been conditioned, I think, to like just know that they're going to blow it from just years of Dan Quinn and even last year to an extent. And to be fair, under Arthur Smith this season, they haven't really blown it um, at all. Like, I, I mean, against the Saints, like that week one game, yeah, that was bad. Uh, but since that week one game, they've been the ones making other teams sweat late. It hasn't always worked, but it's been close. Yeah, and look. And not to be negative again, but man, if you bring up that Saints game, like Jarvis Landry's a, a glorified possession receiver, and he somehow catches a 50 yard bomb to like help win the game. <laughs> and like, yeah. of all people, it happened on, I think Casey Hayward let yep. me get by yep. too. It's like Casey Hayward's a good player too. So it's just, how did these things happen? Like, it's yeah. just, oh, God. But uh, yeah. nevertheless, uh, yeah, it's just, I, you, you look at his points, like, it's not even a, like, okay, some of it's coaching, obviously, but like, it's just so long with this franchise. Like, mm-hmm. The Dallas game in 2020, the Chicago, the Chicago game. This game gave me a little bit of flashbacks of that game from Chicago in 2020. Just because I just remember Nick Foles coming in and just throwing bombs. I'm just like, how is this happening right now? Yeah. It was it was a weird, just a weird game from top to bottom. There's a lot of things to, to call on, and you mentioned it. It just the defense, and like I want to give some, you know, grace a little bit because like look, they're down three starters out of you know five. Uh, so that is meaningful. This is not the starting cornerback group. So I don't want to bury people too much when we got Cornell or Armstrong going up against the other team's wide receiver one. To be fair, I think he played about as well as you could hope uh, yeah, against DJ Moore. Like, not, not that bad. Um, I think Darren Hall has been quietly quite good, uh, just playing good coverage. And then, you know, D. Alford, I thought, made some really crucial plays in this game. Isaiah Oliver is still coming back. I think he looked a little bit better in this one. Still gave him some big plays. But, you know, Dean Marlowe had that face mask. He struggled a bit in this one. It's like they're not playing at full strength. These aren't the stars. But, yeah, please please go ahead. Yeah. That's what I mentioned. I thought Richie Grant probably has worst game of the season. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He was trying to be really aggressive in this one. He was so close also to to making some impact plays. Just – 
it felt like last year's Richie Grant a little bit, where he was like in the right spot, in the right area, and just didn't make the play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll bounce back because I think on the whole he's had a pretty good season, but yes. bad game for him in this one. Um, Falcons uh, did allow almost 500 yards in this one, over 300 passing yards again. Uh, to their credit, they also put up over 400 yards. They did crest that magical 200 passing yards number that I think they've only done like a handful of times this season. Again, put up a very good rushing total, 167 yards on the ground. Um, and like, I can't believe this, but like, despite the Falcons seeming, I thought they were giving up every third down against Carolina and they actually only gave up five third down conversions in the game out of 13. So like, oh. I I don't know if that's right. Like that seems wrong to me, but it, I think it was just like every time they gave up a third down, it was like a third and long and it just like, it was crushing. Maybe all those third downs were on that one drive. I don't know, but it, it was just... Um, so that obviously is actually a good third down, like efficiency, the Falcons on offense, uh, 50% on third down six of 12. So that's nice. Um, they did give up the two sacks, uh, only got one sack on the Panthers, but you know, you, you take those with this pass rush, uh, complicated but, game. Yeah. Probably the one time, like, cause I was venting about like DPs running all these delayed blitzes and it finally worked. Yeah, to, to stop on to cause the fourth and seventh receiver Sean Evans, yeah. even though I think it was more of a set the center blowing his positioning rather than actually. But you know, look, DPS he's very persistent. But hey, is long overdue a delay blitz work because I just feel like these blitzes that he runs is just so long and it's just like yeah. It, the issue is like you could run delay blitzes if you actually have like a pass rush at least, <laughs> you know, get the quarterback moving. But the issue is with these delay blitzes, the quarterback is usually staying tall in the pocket because the Falcons just don't generate pressure. So it's like you're running these, these delay blitzes and teams are picking up on it rather quickly just because they don't really have much to fear outside of Gray Jarrett. So yeah. I don't know. Like that's another thing with this defense is just like you hear all about DPs being someone that just brings pressure and it's just it's been largely uninspiring. But hey, yeah. that one moment. Did that cause one a fourth down stop? So you know what? You glorious know, uh, moment. Uh, you yeah. just take you take those. Um, I mean, it helped contribute to a victory. So it did. It, it did. did. And like, I get why they're trying to get pressure any way possible because of all the problems we've mentioned. Right, the Falcons right now can't really generate much pressure with four, and the secondary is so injured. So it's like we just have to force mistakes. We can't sit back and play coverage with a bunch of backups in our secondary. And we can't also just rush four. So we sort of had, they're sort of forced into this blitzing strategy. And sometimes it works and sometimes it burns you. It burned them a lot in this game. But like you said, they did get one big plus play on that blitz. I would just like to see them use the speed more. Like Michael Walker showed flashes his first two years as a blitzer. And I think he had a sack against New Orleans. It's like you have him, you have Troy Anderson, Richie Grant. Like you have real speed. Like, okay, it works for Rashawn Evans. Fair enough. But like, it's just the defense has some guys that could move. Like, they could cause damage. I think they could take on running backs that blow through them. Like, these are physical, explosive players. So, to me, I just I want to see more with the, at that point because it's just – you can't depend on this front four. It just – I know they're still developing, but look, yeah. Yeah, Falcons are in position now. It's like, look, I get – look, they're in the playoff hunt, at least for now. So, it's just like – at some point, you got to make adjustments. Like, and, you know, another thing we probably should get into is just how bad this sincere line is as well, and the way yeah. Deontay Foreman was just bullying them. Yeah, it's they are just are they really are missing a nose tackle? Like, I think Amir Abdullah gives you solid like rotation Abdullah play. Anderson. You're thinking, oh you're yeah, thinking. Jesus! I this is like the fourth time I've done that. I don't know that many Abdullahs. It's my fault. I saw him uh, make an appearance today. The Raiders. Yeah. Oh man, they okay. couldn't get past midfield today. Yeah, no, they could not. So, uh, no, uh, Abdullah Anderson is who there I'm talking go. about. 
they just don't, they don't, like, Timmy Horn is not it. He's really struggling. Abdullah Anderson is here, uh, and I think playing at, like, a solid, like, rotational level, but they just don't have, like, a big nose tackle that's, like, giving them good play at this point, um, like, at all. Yeah, I think Taquan Graham is playing too many snaps now because he hasn't been as effective either. He did draw a holding penalty, but... Yeah. And I, I think mean, he's been good, but he's also not that nose tackle. Like he's no, like a more of like a three, like a five tech, three tech type of guy. So yeah, because he's what like two ninety or even lighter. I think he's like I think they list him at three hundred now, but it's like okay, th- this isn't this isn't this isn't a, a a big defensive line. Like they cut Anthony Rush, which I still think is like puzzling to me because mm-hmm. I didn't think he was playing badly. Um, I don't even remember. Did we even see Jalen Dalton today? He was activated. I don't I remember. Don't think, I, I don't remember seeing him. But I mean, I guess I hope he can give them something on the interior. He was looking good in the preseason, but like, yeah. man, I just uh, it was rough I, at times. Yeah. I just thought it was alarming because look, I know Deontay Foreman has always been kind of an underrated running back. I think if he ever got his opportunity, he could be something, as you saw today. But it's just like they were. It just felt like Carolina gave him the ball. It was minimum four yards. Just yeah. whether we you know whether it was a little bit more of a counterplay or just straight power, like. He was just running through, and the holes were pretty open. There's no penetration, and it's just there's no resistance. And it's just like you've seen the Falcons in this position before, and just and like you look at the personnel, and just like how can you be content with this? Like how can you be confident with this rotation? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. And look, they cut Marlon Davidson, which you know, fine. Like at this point, he didn't prove anything. Then I guess you have to cut your losses. You know, this this regime didn't draft them, so I guess they didn't feel obligated to keep him around if he wasn't proving anything, but. I just think at some point, if this team is going to show any drastic improvement defensively, they got to do something on the interior. Oh, yeah. I think that's, I think getting like a top edge is still a big deal. Um, but getting just multiple defensive interior, because I think you have the the like frame of a good group. Obviously, you have Grady Jarrett, who's one of the stars. I think you need two stars on the interior. Like you need two at least plus players there. I think you've got a good rotational guy and take one grand. But I think ideally he's like your third guy. Like he's the guy you want to rotate in. Who's not, you're not going to fall off and you're going to get in like potential impact plays from him as, as he rotates in and plays like, you know, 40, 50% of the snaps, whatever. Um, but they just don't have anyone other than greedy Jared. So when Jared has to leave the field, the drop off is so intense there. Um, so I think it's I mean, obviously everyone's talking about Jalen Carter. I really don't think they're going to be in position to draft him. Maybe there's somebody else, but like maybe you just sign guys. Like we people are asking me about you know do we trade for Deron Payne? Like I'm saying you don't need to like just sign him. Like yeah. sign him in free agency. Um, you know yeah. I, I I you got the money to sign anyone you want. Make him an offer. Tell him you're going to play next to Grady Jarrett. Let's go. You know. Yeah. Not to be cynical, but the Falcons should be going overboard to put themselves in a position to get likely blown out by the Cowboys wildcard weekend. I hate to phrase it that way, but that's I just see like some of these teams, because I live in New York, so I'm seeing giant Jets fans talking about playoffs and everything. I'm telling them, like, you can be aggressive, especially look to see the trade deadline, but yeah. don't put yourself, don't handicap yourself to just put yourself in a position where it's like, look, we know this is a two, three year rebuild process, like, and you're kind of ahead of schedule, uh, especially with the Giants. But why, yeah. why trade a second-round pick for a player? You'll know if you're going to get back, and it's just like, how is it really going to put you in the position to contend? You're not really trying to contend. It's like For me, I think they should just sign D-tackle that's so unproven just to give mm-hmm. 
some yeah. sort of solidity. At minimum, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not saying, like, you shouldn't be trading future assets no, to no, no. make a splash right yeah. like, You're just it, not it in that position. The purpose. Yeah, it, de- it defeats the purpose, I think. Like, you trade for guys if you need them to play this year. Like, and, and you don't, and you want to make sure you have an advantage in the negotiations. I don't think they need to do that. They, they have the money to be anyone's offer for these guys and overpay if they want. But like, like you said, like, I think it's fun. Like, enjoy this team potentially going to the playoffs because at this point they're the fourth seed. Um, like, and, and it's not unreasonable to think that they could hold on to that given the play of the rest of this division. Like, I, I mean, but they're not uh, yeah. a good football team. Like this is a a middling average football team that's punching above their weight, but you don't sell out future assets to try to maximize a window on a team. That's just overachieving. Like you enjoy the overachieving. You see how far it takes you. And then you use all these assets that you've carefully constructed. Now you've taken your medicine this year. You've eaten all your dead cap. You know, you eat your vegetables. You, you got that kale in you, you know, it's gross, but whatever. Um, and like now you're just healthy and rearing to go. You got all those carbs, you know, all those macros going your way. Stay with me on this analogy. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you covered it, man. Beautifully said. I don't know. What, what's the next? Where's the next? Subject? I don't Long know. Story, yeah. yeah. Long story uh, short, protein just, yeah. shake, you know, is your draft. You know, no, we'll, we'll, we'll cut off mentality. it there. Yeah. Yeah. Long term mentality. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah, I like that. It, it yeah. wouldn't make sense because Washington is not giving up for cheap. Washington has no reason to give up for cheap. He's one of their yeah. few assets. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, um, like look at Carolina right now, for instance, with DJ Moore. They're probably getting yeah. trade off. Right, but why are we going to trade one of our long term assets? Like, just because the team is bad doesn't mean they're going to trade some of their core pieces for cheap. So, exactly. So it's you just you don't force it. You don't try to maximize this year. Like. I know some people want that, and it's like, well, if you're gonna make the playoffs, shouldn't you try to like do something? It's like you should try, but like, don't don't go overboard trading guys because like, look, even if you trade for Payne or whoever, and there's your plan to franchise him, there's nothing saying he's gonna resign here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think if you trade for him, you have an advantage in resigning him, but like, you're probably gonna have to still overpay him. You know, you're gonna have to overpay everyone in free agency. So like, just don't send the draft pick. Just overpay him in free agency like normal and just get him next year when you're actually loading up to be what should be a better roster overall. I think that's the better, the better plan. Well said. Uh, how concerned are you with the offensive line pass protection wise? Like, <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. Um, now the Panthers have a really good pass rush. Like that's True. been one of their strengths. So like, I think they held up okay, but I, I think that is one of the factors certainly holding this passing game back. Um, now, if they go up against, you know, bad pass rushes, it probably won't be as big of a deal, but it's 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 a problem, and that's why I think it's just 2023, the trenches. Like, this is the trench year. Like, you, I, I like the uh, the tackles in free agency better than the, the interior guys, you know, so maybe Caleb McGarry is not good at pass protection. He's He's been a lot better as a run blocker, but you can tell pass protection's never, like, this is year four. Pass protection's never going to be his forte. He's just not good at it. Um, so I think, you know, you, you potentially go big to sign an impact, right? Tackle, you know, Jack, Con- there could be a Jack Conklin reunion, right? With, with, uh, Arthur Smith. Yeah. Had a lot of great years there. Uh, you know, maybe you go that direction for more of a proven commodity. I think you keep around Jermaine Effetti as like a good backup, but, um, and I think maybe you go for an interior guy, go for, you know, if they're picking like in those 
18, 20, 22, that range, like you could potentially get the best center or interior offensive lineman in the draft with that pick. They've sort of been out of range to get that impact interior guy the last several years. But like, to me, it's like you sign your tackle, you get your interior offensive lineman or your interior defensive lineman in the, in those picks. And then you're cooking with gas and you've got a whole new offensive or defensive line with just your first couple of assets. Right. Cause I'm starting to think Drew Dolman's a liability. I'm, 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 just, I'm just seeing a lot of like the way Derek Brown was manhandling a few occasions. And then he's still just struggling to identify different uh, twists and you know, yeah. other scheme that pressure is just, it's basically watching Matt Hennessy again. Like, yeah. it and really like the is. fact that Matt Hennessy hasn't been inserted means that they have no confidence in Hennessy to do better. And I think it's like, I think Drew Dahlman is like a quality reserve center. Like this is a guy that can come in and start games for you and he's not going to hamstring your offensive line, but this is not a guy that you're like, this is our long-term starter so far. This was only like his eighth start. So like, I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, sell him down the river necessarily, but so far he is, he is the biggest weakness. Like it's not left guard anymore. It is center. I think at this point, the only thing I'll say that I think he is slightly more athletic fantasy and he can maybe make a couple yeah. more like those reach blocks but besides that man it's just he's <laughs> just on the ground a lot and just, you put him against these nose tackles like i remember watching week two against greg grains i was like ah this is concerning. but it was the second game hostile well, i'm not gonna say hostile environment in la but look you're going <laughs> against the super bowl champion so yeah, it's yeah. obviously a tough matchup but it's just the past few weeks you watch him and it's just like he's really not tr- taking many strides and he's not improving on his flaws like at this point like it's, i think with any team, it's like you just need stability at the center position because not having a quality center could really damage your offense. So yeah. I think it's just something to keep in mind. But I did think the pass pressure was just, it got somewhat better today. But I don't know. I think it's something there you have to watch the film because I, I did notice Mariota was running around a bit. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I I was I don't know if I told you this guy, this draft guy. I'm I'm gonna be a I'm a fan of Peter Skaronski from Northwestern, the tackle. But he plays all five spots, so you could have him play right tackle or center or either guard spot. Maybe eventually move to to left tackle in a few years after you know Matthews hangs him up. But uh, the other guy is uh this is like the most center name imaginable I can think, like the most offensive line name, uh, John Michael Schmitz. Uh, from Minnesota. Uh, I think he's the top rated center right now, according to TDN. It's like, that is that, like you hear that name, you, that just screams offensive line. And I need that. I need that man. man uh, six foot four, three twenty pound center. Uh, so I mean, I think they, they could use it. You know? <laughs> Unfortunately that screams first round pick by the Packers. That's what yeah. it screams to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking right now. That's just like the most offensive line yeah. name I could ever see. Uh, uh, so I, I think there's no way he could be a bad offensive lineman. I know right. that I'm very confident in that, but um, let me get to a couple more of these donations here. We had a couple from George and uh, we got Corey with the $5. Uh, Thank you so much, Corey. He says, Falcons at the fourth most cap room in the NFL, and they've got two players who aren't even here taking up most of that cap space. We are four and four and built tough, leading the division. I'm predicting 11 and six in a division win, currently fourth in the NFC. Yeah, you know, I think 11 and six is rich. Yeah, it's ambitious. Like, I'm thinking nine and eight, uh, personally. <laughs> that I'm, I'm, that's what I'm updating my projection to is nine and eight. Um, it was six and 11, uh, so I think, you know, better than I predicted but i do think that uh nine and eight is probably what you're looking at but that's probably good enough to win this division i mean man the bucks look broken the panthers we know what the panthers are and the saints just 
okay, they won today, but like you, you can't really trust that Saints team. Like, like you watch the Bucks, man. There is just it looks like they got way too old, and then their young players aren't stepping up. It's kind of like the 2013 Falcons, but not as bad. Like remember the yeah. 2013 Falcons were kind of old, and we're just kind of hoping the young players step up, but they never did. Like that's kind of the Bucks right now. It's just a team that uh, they could kind of move the ball, but they can't execute in the red zone, and then the defense all of a sudden can't stop the run. They're kind of slow, so. No, I think this division is definitely here for the taking, but it's yeah. more of a testament of how bad division is than Falcons taking yeah. significant strides. It's just that's how I see it. No, I, I agree with you. I do. Yeah. Um, all right, we got George Costanza with a paragraph for me to get to here. So we're going to take care of this one. Uh, George, uh, total of $4. Just, uh, he, he's got a lot to get off his chest, so, so bear with him here. Uh, so first point he wants to make, I love uh, how you use Kyle Pitts. That's how you use him in this game. Uh, he dominated the, yeah, we will. So yeah. this could be a good, good opportunity for that. He dominated that defense. Panthers had no answer for him. No one has an answer for him. Mariota just has to throw him the damn ball. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's a good opportunity to talk about Pitts. This is, I think his best game so far, uh, this season. Yeah. I, I love how finally, cause we wanted to see him in the open field. So it wasn't just the fact that they used, put him in motion and, he was like the third round, but what he did after a catch, like to me, he gained at least an extra 15 yards and he's just so smooth. And the way he runs, is just those long galloping strides. Like he gets yards very quickly and just those type of moments. And I thought there was like a nine yard slant where he took a huge hit, I think from Justin Burris and like, he got up smiling and like Burris looked concussed. And it's just like those, those plays are like tone setters. And I think that was the same drive. London made a similar play where he made a tough catch across the middle. And that's what I think of Arthur's, Smith's offense because I remember AJ Brown, Corey Davis off play action, those dig routes, the slants, like they would catch across the middle and they would take punishment, but they also could dish out punishment. Yeah. And I just love the physical element both London and Pitts brings, but in particular Pitts and you know, that touchdown, like the way he saw that block, just masterfully done. Yeah. Yeah. It was just much better usage uh, of. Kyle Pitts in this one. He needs to be targeted at least this many times. He needs to have this many catches. We we got to utilize him. Um, we we just have to. Um, we got George Costanza uh, again. Uh, second point. We can win putting the ball in the air. We need to utilize the weapons that we have. Our defense looked gassed at the end, but also we're down most of our secondary. Uh, the fact is, this is a dub. A win is a win. This team is better than I thought initially. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, it, it's you, you have to. This, these are the games the Falcons were losing last year where it's like they should have won these games and then they blew it. Um, you know, it's nice that they're not on the receiving end of blowing it today. Um, you know, really used to that happening, certainly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's brutal. Uh, we got a draft take now from George. Uh, I think that drafting another wideout could be a good course of action. Imagine having London Pitts, uh, someone like Jalen Hyatt, and then you bring back Calvin Ridley. Uh, could be a potent offense that would rival KC. I agree, George. You just need the quarterback then. <laughs> hey, listen, we even talk about it, but oh man, I want to give him a shot. I think his name's Creighton McDonald. Yeah, uh, you seen the T-shirt? Mm-hmm. Hey, when it's it, it's um. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm trying to get this guy's info. Did you yeah. see his shirt? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, when it's available, I'm buying it, and once I buy it, I will be wearing it on this show. Yeah, beautifully done. But oh, yeah. nevertheless, uh, let's relax the wide receiver. This team has a lot of holes. Yeah, no, we're not <laughs> drafting another wide receiver. We can't do that. Uh, um, I wouldn't be shocked. Like Cat They Cat will draft team. one maybe at some point. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I wouldn't be shocked if Corey Davis ends up here just because I think he's going to be a cap casualty with the Jets. And uh, just 
I always felt like Arthur Smith really liked him. So I wouldn't be surprised if Corey Davis ends up here. Yeah, I think you don't want Corey Davis to be your primary threat, but as like he would be the third threat in this offense. At that's best. A perfect, perfect and I think that's a great fit for him. Yeah. yeah so. Um we know he can block and everything too. So mm-hmm. um into that. Uh finally from George says, Can't believe we are over five hundred after eight weeks. I'm officially on the hype train. <laughs> Even more so, there's great reason to be hyped for the future. In five years, we'll be back in the Super Bowl. Uh, we will have the weapons now. We need that culture. Within five years, he says, it will be the Super Bowl. Wait, so. but this game, this was the win this that got you hyped? Yeah. <laughs> Not San Francisco? Like, this yeah. was the game? Like, allowing a 62-yard touchdown to, to DJ Moore from P.J. Walker? This was the moment? Yep. Yep. Oh, this man. is the one. This is the one that did it. All right, man. Well, we took, man. God bless yep. the fans, man. We we need this kind of energy. That that's it. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, all right, we got Gary Stafford with the ten dollars. Thank you so much, Gary. He says I predicted we go two and fifteen. Playing this well, playing well this year is a bonus. Imagine if we had quality free agents on the defensive line and in our secondary right now. Next year should be good. So hold on. He said two and fifteen. Is this a USA Today employee? Did he make those records? <laughs> Gary, or do you do you write for USA Today? Is that is that it? <laughs> Look, I, I saw a lot of bad records, but I, that was the only time I've seen 2-15. So I'm wondering if Gary works for USA today. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but uh, he's he's changing he's changing the take. He's you know, he's updating right. the win projection now that they've won four games. So that, I appreciate that either way. Um, all right, we got uh, Jason Gaines, the one dollar. <laughs> I want Dean Marlowe released immediately. What was he thinking? Oh, giving up the game tying touchdown to DJ Moore. Don't trust Marlowe. He was on that 2015 and 2016 Panthers team. You know, maybe a little bit of friendly fire. Yeah, no, I, I, I Marlowe has been fine. I mean, he's a backup safety. It's like, so <laughs> real quick, you know, my connection with D Marlowe, right? I don't know if I ever told you this. I, I don't know. I, 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 so. I tweeted about it a couple of times. So D Marlowe, ironically was in my sophomore year of high school. I sat next to him in Spanish class. So he went to the oh, same wow. high school. Uh, he's a year older than me. So yeah, we actually, I remember him like he, he was a big time safety in our high school and like, yeah, he was getting like some big time recruits and eventually he ultimately made the NFL. So when he signed, I was excited. So I, when I covered the Falcons Jets game, I was trying to get Matt Haley to connect us, but like apparently Marlo's like one of the first people that went to the team bus. So I couldn't get the interview, but oh, no. yeah, I do know Tragic. Marlo. Yeah. That's we used funny. to talk a bit because, uh, I, I think I was in high school in 09, 10 season. And I was really, I was all in on the Vikings. I was, uh, I just remember he was like big on the Saints too. So that makes him even more evil. He was big on the Saints. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, look, he blew it. I didn't think he played particularly well. I'm going to keep my comments to that because I do like him as a human being. Yeah, no, it, you know, we need better going forward to say that. Yeah, least. yeah. Uh, so. Just, I, I think those types of plays in all seriousness, to be objective, like you really need to see the all 22. Like I'm very curious yeah, to see yeah. how this came about. Cause these, these, these types of long developing plays, broken plays, you know, like, like the first half of this game, like the, that was the hilarious thing about this game. Like it became like a punt off. And then all of a sudden and they were scoring every drive. Like you, did you realize that? No, I did not. Yeah. <laughs> like that first half was ugly. And then second half, nobody could get a stop. Yeah. Yeah, it just wow. the the offenses took off, and clearly Carolina, after firing Rule, has has found new life. So like, you can I think you can sort of throw out their start to the season because under PJ Walker, like last week they crapped on the Bucks. This week, you know they they did you know obviously choke it away at the end with some bad mistakes. But like this team is not lifeless anymore. Like I think they've got the 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 ghost of Matt Rule off their backs now, and 
that they're they're going to be frisky down the stretch, like because yeah. the defense has always been good. Yeah, their defense has players from Burns to uh, what's it, Frankie Luvu? Am I butchering it? Luvu, I think. Luvu, yeah, yeah Luvu's good. Uh, obviously, J.C. Horde, uh, Jeremy Chin, who I don't think uh, I think he's still banged up, but like you know, they got players there. Like they've they've built up. I still think Shaq Thompson's a quality linebacker, so you know they're no slouches and. I still feel like Steel Wilkes got a bad uh, rep in Arizona. Like I think, or he got a raw deal. Excuse me. So look, they're gonna they're gonna be competitive. Like this this Thursday night game. You thought today's game was sloppy? Oh, wait for that short short term game. Oh, Thursday night, four days rest. Oh, it's gonna be even more sloppy. Oh yeah, but, it's gonna uh, be another beautiful disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So let so but no, Carolina credit to them. They just look a bit rejuvenated. But it's just I don't know with the Falcons, given how well they played to start the season. It's just you just want to see more uh, fundamental play, yeah. and it would just really disappoint to see how the defensive breakdown happened. Because, like I said, like even though the second half defensive points was ugly, if that sixty-two-yard touchdown didn't happen, I'd be still in a pretty optimistic space. But after yeah, that touchdown, yeah. like I'm still it's like, hard. yeah, it's, it's just too nasty. Excited. Yeah. Yep. So, but uh, I, what do you? Because we, we haven't mentioned him since he's hopefully going to be back next week. But do you still feel like this offense, They I, to me, they desperately need Cordell Paris yeah, back just they, for some They need his dynamic. Like, yeah. they need, he's the dynamic presence. But I think it's like, I think it's like with, with Patterson, like you don't need him to carry it 20 times, but like he's special. And I think like Huntley and Algier are both good, but I think Patterson's special. So I think you still let him carry the load, play as much as he can. And um, he just brings such a dynamic presence that to be fair to Huntley and Algier, they've, they've handled the, the rushing load well in his absence, but Patterson's sort of a special player. And it's like, you just, you go back to him, like, um, and, and you, you let Huntley and Algier grind it out late, you know, maybe take some of those early carries and then you let Patterson just rip off those splash plays. And outside of the screen to Algiers, I feel like the Falcons screen game has been atrocious this year. And I think yeah. Patterson would make a huge difference, whether it's a screen out of the backfield or tunnel screen now wide, bubble screen, whoever it may be. Like, I just think to help improve the screen game and, you know, to mask the offensive line's limitations, I just think a guy like Patterson's just so valuable to have because you know mm-hmm. he can break tackles. You know he's going to get yards after contact. You know you can make players miss. He's just, like you said, he brings that dynamism and. I think yeah. for an offense that still can't really get into that much of rhythm unless they're just pounding the ball, I think having Cordell Patterson, you just need those splash plays. And you know, we saw last year, like to me, Cordell Patterson kind of along with Matt Ryan and Kyle Pitts like won them a few games. Like I look back at that Miami game, I look back at that New Orleans game. Like Cordell Patterson literally made plays that just broke everything open. So I think game back would be huge. And if and if they could, you know, I don't know if they're ever gonna get to necessarily like a good rhythm offensively, but if you have someone that defenses always have to account for at least they'll open things up for Kyle Pitts straight down yeah yeah I it we got a we got a long way to go still like this passing game is just so ugly at times um you know it needs to be better if this team really wants to to make improvements you know Mariota again like he taketh and he giveth right like 20 of 28 a better day for him 253 yards okay that's like you know is that a season high I don't know it might be but <laughs> yeah um, I don't know about that Seattle game that's right. the only game that comes to mind or maybe even the Rams game because there was a lot of uh coming back but no this just, is a season high yeah I am surprised so he was 20 for 20 but the thing is like I feel like the, a lot of those incompletions were so ugly yeah they, they were yeah 
like, and, and two picks, you know, that both yeah. of them were throws that shouldn't have been made. So exactly. Like we can look, Demario Bird definitely could have made better plays on him, but you're asking a lot for a player like him to make those plays and, you know, contest a catch yeah. uh, spots. Yeah. I did like the, fa- and it was close, but it was like the first time I've seen it all season. Uh, he did take a shot to London downfield and it was mm. almost complete. And I thought the ball yeah. was decently throw, but it was just better coverage. I hope it just, that's the one thing that's really missing. You know, I, in general, I need to see more Drake London, but I hope whether it's just go balls or you know, deep over routes, I just want to see Drake London be utilized more vertically because watch his highlight reel yeah. in college. That's he's where he's really good he, there. He's not a burner, yeah. but he's really natural with the back shoulder balls. And like, if you're going to throw that damn ball deep downfield into tight coverage, like it needs to be freaking London or Pitts, not mm-hmm. 5'11 Demir Bird, who is like really fast, but like if he's not open, he's not jumping up in the air and catching that ball. Yeah. Like that's really not his game. So like, if you want to throw that, just throw it to Pitts or London, man. Like those are the guys that are going to make that play. I definitely want to see, because once again, it's all 22. Like I want to see what the route concepts were on both those interceptions. Like where was London users? What was the formation alignment? Were they using two tight ends? Were they using max protect? Like that's the thing. But like if the beer birds, like running the vertical route and Drake London's running and say like a dig, it's just like, oh man, Mariota, like, if, if if Bird is well covered, just don't throw that ball because he's just not going to win there. So, and and like you got to learn from it because like that that second reception should have cost him the game. And yeah. we'd be if it wasn't for Eddie Pinero, we'd be yep. we, it would be a totally different mood right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So it's yeah. You just can't throw those. Like mm-hmm. I like the aggressiveness. I like that they're trying to incorporate the deep shots. We know that's something that that they want to do. But you gotta, you you can't just like unleash the dragon, you know? Who is it that did that Rex Grossman or whatever? You know, unleash the dragon. Um, just Hell of like, a reference. Yeah, yeah. Just, like you, you can't do that. Like you have to be careful with the ball, too. And to be to Mariota's credit, I think I think he needs to, like he does need to be more aggressive with it. And generally, I think he does a good job of not making bad decisions about where to throw it to the to the extent that like sometimes he like hesitates and should throw it and doesn't, uh-huh. um, you know, and so neither of those balls to Demir Berg should have been thrown. He was not open at any point on either of those routes, but there were some other plays where Mariota threw great passes. Like it's just inconsistency is frustrating with him. And obviously he gives you a lot with his legs. I'm glad Mariota was able to get that dub for his birthday um, instead of having that birthday L. So good yeah, for him. Um, for a man. Eat a yeah. delicious cake. Like, look, all, yeah. the, like, all these, once again, I, I always, I got to try to find the word of gutsy, but look, he made plays, man. Say we want like, by Mariota, but he made the plays. You live and die by the mistakes and the successful plays. And right now, at least on, on balance, Mariota is giving you enough successful plays that the Falcons are at 500. But you can tell that there are limitations. You can tell that there are mistakes, and both can be true, right? Like, Mariota cannot be having a great season, but he can be having a good enough season that he shouldn't be yoinked out of the lineup for Ritter before Ritter's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lo- there's a lack of nuance, I think, in the Mariota versus Ritter discussion, and it's that, like, Mariota's not perfect, and he's not necessarily playing at a high level on the whole. But he's playing good enough for this team to still be in it in pretty much every game except for the Bengals game. And even that game, I don't really think was his fault. I think it was the offense as a whole just sort of cratered in that one. So, like, you know, be reasonable about what you expect from Mariota. uh, But also be reasonable that the Falcons aren't necessarily going to bench him 
because he's not playing like elite level football because like, and I think assuming that Ritter would play elite level football is like a mistake. Like it's just a grass is greener fallacy. Like you just think that because Ritter is different that he'll be better. It doesn't necessarily mean that maybe he would be, I don't know. I certainly am a big fan of Desmond Ritter, but like just yoinking your starting quarterback because you think your backup could be better. Isn't a good reason. Like we need like, like Mariota, hasn't played poorly enough to get benched yet. Um, yes, that's the consensus viewpoint. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and he's making mistakes and he's making good plays. So yeah. as long as you make more good plays than mistakes on the whole and the Falcons are in contention, that's fine. Um, yeah. At this point, I think this conversation, we got to wait till after the Thursday night game against Carolina because, look, he's not – obviously, he's going to play against the Chargers next week. They're not going to bring in Ritter on a short week against Carolina. So uh, – We'll see what happens in these next two games. Uh, these are big games. You know, they've got the rematch against Carolina, but they have the Chargers as well. I think the Chargers are very vulnerable and yes, they're really bad out-bound. at defending the run. I know, like so the worst. Like, so. Hey, if we get a rep- <laughs> hey, if there's a game to replicate the Browns' game plan, let's do it. Just hopefully yeah. Mariota is not set for 19 and throws three hospital balls, one lean to an interception. Yeah, they, uh, the Chargers allow 5.7 yards per carry, which is 31st in the NFL. So, yeah, I'm uh, cautiously optimistic about this game, especially now that Mike yeah. Williams is out. Yeah. I mean, I, I think point. it's going to be one of those get like, and, you know, we'll see. I mean, who knows how close AJ Terrell is to returning? I, I have a hard time believing he's going to play. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a tough matchup defensively, but. Again, it's going to be up to the offense to carry the load each and every week because we just really shouldn't expect too much from the defense. Um, I think the defense is good enough to keep them in games, but like we can't expect the defense to win any games. So it's really going to be on the the rushing game, I think, next week in particular to just take over and and keep the, the Chargers from getting a bunch of points quickly and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I and you, you mentioned it earlier in the show, feeling like Huntley has been playing better than Algier and you know the stats bear it out right they had almost the same number of carries Huntley 16 carries for 91 yards that's 5.7 yards per carry Algier 14 carries for just 39 yards 2.8 yards per carry Huntley was just doing a lot more with his carries we did see Algier get those three catches for 46 yards which is obviously nice uh and the touchdown but you wonder like who is going to lose snaps when Patterson comes back? I don't really think it should be Huntley losing a lot of snaps. It might be that you move Algier to more of a third down role lean to, and, and lean more with Huntley as your number two running back based on the how, how well he's fared as a runner. I think he's been the superior runner uh, over Algier. But again, both are, are fine. Yes. Like It's not like it's a problem one way or the other, but I, I think I like what I see more from Huntley on the ground. Um, and I would probably want him to be the number two running back at this point behind uh, Patterson. He provides more bursts. Like you just watch it yeah. every snap. Like it just seems like you have that feeling like he's going to create something. Yeah. And he had that 30 yard run, which helped spark the drive. So yeah, he's been to me the best surprise so far this season. And you got to love the story. Someone that you, you watch the preseason games, third, fourth quarter, just like, ah, oh, just another running back. Hey, look at him preseason hero turns into a legitimate regular season contributor and I think someone that the coaching staff can depend on yeah yeah I, I think so all right any other final takeaways um no yeah, yeah. uh 
We do have one donation here from Andre Fuller real quick. The $5. Great show, he says. Thank you, Andre. He says, knowledgeable guests and a great host. Well, Alan's my co-host, technically. So, But yes, that's correct. Uh, As as y'all pointed out, we need a new center and right tackle in the draft or free agency. Outside of that, every available financial draft asset needs to go into the front seven. I mean, no disagreements here. Like, I think that's a good strategy. Like, if they want to raid free agency for a couple pieces... Uh, on the line and then hit the draft for the rest of them. I mean, I think that's a good strategy. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, it's just a difficult watch. Uh, I mean, it was fun. Like, I feel like if I wasn't a Falcons fan, I would have been like, oh, this is this game is hella fun. This game is off the rails. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been a, just an enjoyable game. And like I mentioned it before the show, like all I really wanted from the Falcons this year knowing full well that this roster is going to have its limitations was that they just want, they needed to be fun, you know, engaging, exciting. And like, to their credit, they've done that. They've accomplished that pretty much every week last week, maybe being a little bit of an exception where they struggled, you know, to, to bring that one back. But, uh, good job so far. Falcons being entertaining, being fun. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, (laughs) I enjoyed it better with the W. If there wasn't a W, it would have been very angry. Um, and also the, you know, the Panthers punishing me for tweeting out that the game was over. Um, look, like I, they had the ball. Yeah, I, got, I got some stuff to delete. <laughs> they, got, they got the ball. I mean, I'm not going to delete it. Cause it's like, you know, it's fine. Like I'll take the L there, but it's like, they had the ball at the 20. All they needed to do was, was they, I mean, first of all, they had, all they needed to do was get the extra point. And then they had the ball at the 20 in overtime and they missed that field goal. It's like, it just like, it's come on. Like. Yeah. Come on. Like, I'm trying to get the show going, get my takes off, and start working on the show. And, you know, the Dave I appreciate, Panthers, the, I appreciate <laughs> the entertainment, but yeah. just more fundamental football, please. That's all I ask. Just, we can't have a 62 yard touchdown allowed like that ever again. Like, please. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's everything else this season has been understandable. This wasn't like the first moment all season where I was just like flabbergasted. I'm just like, shame on everyone in this organization. But look, they got the win. It's entertaining their first place and we'll just take it from there i guess uh, it's just it's still it's it's a lot to digest like some weeks i look forward to watching films some weeks i don't this i'm just i just wanted i just gotta like digest it like what on earth happened like just play by play like i'm i'm cautiously not cautiously but i'm not eagerly anticipating it but i'm just at pure curiosity i'm looking forward to seeing the ultimate yeah yeah i think so um just a wild finish, um, completely wild, and uh, don't don't really have much more to say about it. I, I agree. It's sort of like we need to uh, get the all twenty two to really break this down and, and dive into it. But just <clears throat> to me, the big takeaway is like you just can't allow all these explosive plays. You just can't. You you can't. You're not going to win a lot of games allowing like 10, 12 explosive plays like they did. Um, and also, you're not going to win a lot of games when you throw two picks. Uh, so that's part of it too. You got to cut down on those mistakes, but um, they do and find they a way run to run over. We have mentioned they got ran over. Yeah, to... they, they did get ran over. This was their yeah. worst game on the ground. Um, yeah. And it was funny because I feel like a lot of times they actually limited the ground game, but then they just like gave it a, like in the red zone, they just got dominated. So it was yeah. like, it was a weird game against the run. I still think their run defense is like better overall than their past defense by a lot. Um, but you know, they're going to have their work for, cut out for him next week against Austin Eckler and, and that Chargers offense. Uh, but they just got to do enough. And then this this Falcons run game needs to eat, like just needs to crush. Uh, and hopefully Patterson will be back. That'll help a lot in that area. But uh, 
it's going to once again be up to this rushing attack to just dominate. Um, mm-hmm. And if they do, you feel good about the Falcons in that one. Also, the Chargers are like the other team that's probably cursed like as much or more than the Falcons. Uh, I so, like, slightly, slightly more. Yeah, maybe slightly more. Um, so, you know, there's obviously that working against the Chargers. Um, you never know, though. When you get two cursed teams facing each other, anything can happen. Uh, so it, it could be very interesting there. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's that's it for us today, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in, hanging out. Um, let's thank my co-host. He is Alan Sturk. Alan Sturk on the Twitters. Alan, anything you're working on you'd like to pluck? Uh, I'll definitely be writing this week. I no idea what I'm going to be writing after that. <laughs> I nothing, yeah. th- there's like 10 possibilities in my mind. Just stay tuned. That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah. Just stay tuned. You know, we're, we're still... Uh, Still have to, you know, figure out exactly what to center our, our post-game content on. But uh-huh. um, something, certainly. Uh, and, guys, I am Kevin Knight, F Alcoholic Kevin, uh, for my, like, you know, hate, hater tweets, you know, saying that the Falcons lost this game. Uh, if you want to go check those out, those are still up. So, um, But, uh, yes, uh, a beautiful disaster. I'm glad they proved me wrong. So Live tweeting is an emotional experience, people. Yes. Don't, like, I don't know what you guys expect. Like, I'm just saying, I'm not rap sheet, all right? What do you want? Like, sterile team tweets, okay? Like, this, you know, just just mute me during the game if you're finding it that stressful. I mean, come exactly. on. Yeah. You know, you, you, this, Dave says we can do whatever we want with our live tweets. And I took that very seriously. So, <laughs> I know, that's why he's the man. But, that's why uh, he's the man. Yeah. And also, it's to be with, uh, like we all mentioned, have a happy Halloween. Enjoy your yes, candy. Yes. And uh, yeah, keep the, comment, right. keep the content yeah. rolling. Yep, we got that division lead secured for an entire week, also, Alan. So uh, I actually think no matter what happens, they would still at least be tied for the lead next week. So. Um, because every other team is at only at three wins. So, uh, we're that in good shape. Graphic. I can't wait. Atlanta <laughs> can't four, wait. five just Dallas. Got, yep. Yep. Exactly. That's it's coming. Got to enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, yes. yeah. And I guess Arthur Smith at his conference just said, I'm sure you guys had a bunch of stories pre-written that you could have gone with. Good luck tonight. I think you guys probably had to delete a lot of your stories. Yes, uh, I did. I had to rewrite this show's like description like 15 times. Uh, and change the graphic like three times. So, um, at least know. he's aware. Yeah, he's very aware. Uh, he knows the struggle is real here for the media. So, uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much. Do like it, subscribe, uh, support us on Patreon if you're so inclined. Patreon.com/slash/falcoholiclive. Uh, really appreciate that. Appreciate everyone hanging out. Uh, appreciate everyone uh, chatting. And you know, even if you're Team Mariota or Team you know, Ritter or, you know, a reasonable person in the middle. Uh, thank you guys for, for chatting and hanging out. Um, there's room for all here. Just let's, you know, keep it, keep it civil. Um, but, uh, guys, until the next show, we're going to have our film review early in the week, and then we'll be back on Wednesday night at 8 PM for the next live show. Until then, guys, thank you so much for tuning in for myself and for Alan. Have a great football Sunday. We will see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks.